In the one sense, yield curve inversion is pretty simple. It tells you what is likely to happen. And that is a high probability that interest rates are gonna be lower sometime in the future. Now, what yield curve inversion doesn't tell us is when that happens, or it does kind of tell us when, when that might happen as the yield curve inversion progresses. As I mentioned last week, we had the three months, 10 year spread invert for the first time in the cycle, which represented another escalation, another progression of the yield curve closer to zeroing in on when that might happen. But we're not there yet. And the other thing the yield curve inversion doesn't tell us is how. What is it that gets interest rates lower in the future? In the context of the Federal Reserve and its interest rate policies, it's really about getting the Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, the FOMC policymakers, out of their singular focus on the U.S. CPI. Now, that could either be because the CPI itself starts to come down. It looks like it's going to stay down, as policymakers said, is their sole focus nowadays. Or it could be something that gets policymakers to forget about the CPI, regardless of whether it's coming down or not, and focus on other factors. Now, there's a whole range of other factors that could possibly, potentially, get grab policymakers' attention and then turn their policy into something they currently don't foresee. Now, the list here is long. The suspects, quite, quite numerous. There's recession probabilities in the U.S. I mean, we just got PMI data this week that looks a hell of a lot like a recession. And even where it doesn't necessarily look like recession today, you can see where this is going. It's going in that direction. It's pretty solidly in the downward direction. So the slowdown of the U.S. economy is not slowing down. In some places, it seems to be accelerating. We've already got numerous indications, especially the household survey for full-time jobs. So a serious nasty recession in the U.S., that could, do a, that could create the Fed, the Fed pivot. There's also prospects for a global recession. I mean, just look at Europe. Going back to the same PMIs, they were even worse in Europe, which is no surprise. The Europeans are experiencing much worse problems. Uh, China, the data we got from China just confirmed that China has never recovered from the lockdowns, either one, which contributes more to global recession than people seem to appreciate. So global recession, global macro, there's also major deflationary waves building. I mean, Japan, we've got UK, Switzerland, China, any number of financial centers that are erupting in very obvious disorder that if they continue, might grab the Fed's attention. Dollar shortage indications all over the world. And the big part of that, of course, collateral scarcity. I mean, we've had collateral scarcity for a while that's turned into collateral shortages at various times. And I really think at the end of the last quarter, at the end of September, we the whole world experienced a honest to goodness collateral run. You get another one of those, maybe that's enough to trigger Trigger, trigger something that gets the Fed's attention away from the CPI. But this week, we have another potential factor for turning the Fed around. The housing market has entered the Fed pivot chat. Before we get into that, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. If you're interested in any of the things that we're doing at Eurodollar University, just check us out at the website, eurodollar.university. There's memberships available tons of exclusive educational videos where we go through the deep dives into what's really going on in the, in the Eurodollar system, how money is created, how it's redistributed, where the Fed fits in, not very much. 
as well as other research and subscription pro products, including deep dive analysis of other more current material, market in the micro commentary, partnership with Stephen Van Meter and Tracy at Markets Insider Pro. Check it all out, eurodollar.university. Really seems like we need a theme song or something here. I mean, if we're gonna continue this fake real university uh, thing that we've got going, then maybe we need a mascot as well as a theme song, a fight song or something like that. Anyway, back to, the, back to our topic at hand, the housing market. Now the housing market, unlike some of these other things like collateral, the housing market is near and dear to the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve has always paid very close attention to housing for relatively obvious reasons, because it is, for most people who are lucky enough to own their homes nowadays, it is their biggest asset. And if homes appreciate, the wealth effect. We all believe, we all, we all, and there's, there's research and scholarship that suggests this is the case, that when home prices appreciate, consumers feel better about their financial situation, they're more likely to spend, especially on other big ticket items, which helps propel the economy. At least that's the theory. Um, whether it actually helps sustain, uh, create a sustainable economic system, that's, a, that's another topic entirely. But either way, there is some loose correlation between home prices and spending. Now, you might remember Ben Bernanke back in July of 2005 said, we've never had a decline in home house prices on a nationwide basis. So what I think what what I think what is more likely is that house price continue to slow will slow maybe stabilize might slow consumption spending a bit. One of Ben Bernanke's famous quotes although now he's a Nobel Prize winner I guess none of these things matter but he was actually right about some of the things that he said. The first part for example, he was right about the fact that up until July 2005 and into 2006 even U.S. housing prices had never experienced a nationwide decline. There had been regional housing busts here and there. I'm thinking about California in the early 90s, Texas at various times. Florida has gone through boom-bust cycles all over the uh, through history. But there had never been, he was right, there had never been a home a nation, nationwide home housing bust where prices declined very broadly. And he was also right about the last part of that. That if there was a housing bust and prices did decline, it was likely to trigger a backlash in consumer spending. But where he went wrong was that he, recency bias and econometrics, believed that home prices could never decline. Because they had never declined on a nationwide basis, he was basically just assuming for no reason other than that recency bias and, and the uh, mathematics in the models, which is stochastic models are all based on past on the past uh, what happened in the past so ben bernanke was right about the first part right about the third part but thinking that home prices could never fall on a nationwide basis that was his big error as was considering home prices exclusively and solely through the lens of consumer spending as it turned out there were other monetary factors to con to have considered that the Fed never really did. But in the same time that Ben Bernanke was making his proclamation about housing prices in July 2005 in a different part of the country, Janet Yellen was also talking about housing prices. Why? Well, in July 2005, if you remember, if you happen to be alive and, and, and an adult or uh, old enough to have paid attention back then, everybody was talking about housing prices and everybody could see that the housing prices were clearly in an extreme situation. Call it a bubble if you want. Does it really matter what you call it? And so everybody asked the Fed, 
is the, is, is the uh, housing market in a bubble? And Ben Bernanke said, well, maybe home prices are out of whack, but they've never fallen on a nationwide basis. We've got nothing to worry about. On the other side, I believe it was in California, going off of memory here, Janet Yellen, the future Federal Reserve Chairman after Ben Bernanke, also July 2005, she was asked about home prices. She said, don't worry about it. We've run the math here. Here's a quote from Ms. Yellen. First, there would be an effect on consumers' wealth. With housing wealth nearing $18 trillion today, such a drop, she was taught, I think in the simulation, it was a 25% drop in home prices. So an extreme drop in house prices would extinguish about four and a quarter trillion of household wealth, equal to about 38% of GDP. Standard estimates suggest that for each dollar of wealth lost, households tend to cut back on spending by around three and a half cents. Doesn't sound like much, does it? This amounts to a decrease in consumer spending of about one and a quarter percent of GDP. So based on all of these past studies, which correlated home price, not fall, not declines, but mostly home price rises and variability in home price rising said, hey, if we have a massive 25% decline in home prices, no big deal anyway, because it's only going to amount to consumer spending. It's going to hit consumer spending by one and a quarter percent of GDP. And there was even better news here. Back to Ms. Yellen, July 2005. How manageable would this scenario be, she asked. Like the wealth effect, these added interest rate effects operate with a lag. So again, there would probably be time for monetary policy to respond by lowering short-term interest rates. This obviously would not be a slam dunk, but many circumstances it would seem manageable. <laughs> a 25% decline in nationwide home prices. Janet Yellen thinks, we'll just fix it with some rate cuts. I mean, it's the height of hubris here. But the point that I'm trying to make is that the Federal Reserve is very sensitive to housing prices and the wealth effect, more than the stock market, far more than the stock market for what I hope are obvious reasons. And that if the home, if having been through the experience in the, first, the, 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 the middle 2000s in that decade, the middle part of the 2000s, they're gonna be a little bit more sensitive to a housing bust in the 2020s, especially since I think this is the key part even they would recognize, of course, we don't know, we're not privy to their private discussions, it won't be for five years until the transcripts are released, but they have to know, don't they? That the housing market over the last couple of years is actually, the bubble was actually even worse than it was in the middle 2000s. Now, I don't mean by size, scale, and volume because it was much less than the, the big housing bubble in the early part of the 21st century. Now, the, what I mean is worse is that the fundamentals lack of fundamentals in this in this instance, in 2020 and 2021, are decidedly worse. What was driving the housing market in from the really from the middle 90s into the into around 2006 were at least understandable properties. I mean, and I mean that literally as well as figuratively, that yes, it got to be an excess, but there was a need for housing. There was a legitimate need for more building, more stock, and there was also more income, more economic potential that could support debt, not all of it, but could support more debt and more consumer mortgages. Whereas in 2020 and 2021, you had essentially a government-fueled frenzy, not Fed-fueled, federal, federal government-fueled frenzy 
especially when you look at home prices. Home prices accelerated starting in June of 2020. Once everybody was allowed out of their houses, the lockdowns were, were ended and reopening happened, you see a massive uptick, not just in housing data, but also home prices. Filled with money from the CARES Act, especially those who were not directly influenced or harmed by the coronavirus lockdowns or the pandemic over restrictions, they, they looked at the Fed, they looked at the federal government, they saw money printing, and they immediately looked for places to shelter from the looming dollar collapse. And quite naturally, they looked at home prices and real assets and said, well, historically speaking, when we go through a, an inflationary world, an inflationary environment, you have to shelter your assets in real properties, real things, including houses. So right from the outset, based on nothing more than the psychology of the dollar is going to zero, people bought a lot of houses. That's very different than the middle the, the 1990s, 2000s housing bubble. It's like I said, this was, this was something else entirely. Hopped up on Uncle Sam's nickels, all the, the trillions of them that were released into the economy, and then the trillions more that were gonna be sent later in the year, and then earlier the following year, everybody thinking the dollar was going to collapse, bought real assets. And the funny thing is, you know, that artificial wave actually became the inflation. I hate to say it, I mean, because it's understandable why would people thought this way, why people acted this way, but in actual terms, what has happened, owner's equivalent rent in the CPI has now capturing, and it, this is the irony of all ironies, the owner's equivalent rent that's now in the CPI is the very thing that's keeping the CPI high, which is causing the Fed to hike rates and focus exclusively on the CPI to the detriment of the housing market. So everybody piled into shelter assets that actually then became the inflation they that, that, they, that they were afraid of. And now it's leading to the situation where the Fed is hiking rates based on that past behavior, ignoring what's going on today in both the real economy as well as the housing market. And what is going on today? Well, we got, we got some home price data from a couple different sources. There's usually three primary sources and the, the third one we'll get tomorrow with new home sales. The first two are from Standard & Poor's, or the first one was from Standard & Poor's Case Schiller. Uh, month over month in August, minus 0.9%. That follows a minus 0.6% in July. So two straight months of declines on top of a third month, June, which was basically zero. Um, the Case-Shiller 20-city average down 1.3% month over month in August. This is August. This is two months old already, uh, as well as 0.7% in July, again, June. So we've got three months with basically no or, or actually contracting home prices. That uh, was backed up by the Federal Housing Finance Agencies, uh, their metric on nationwide home prices. They said it was down, their index was down 0.7% month over month in August, following a 0.6% month over month decline in July. So basically, the middle of the year, already we've seen housing prices decline. Now, are we going to see housing prices rebound anytime soon? Well, based on all the other housing metrics that are a little more up to date, it doesn't look likely, nor does it look like home builders in particular, as well as realtors, are expecting anything of the sort. Now, even though home prices are still up uh, solidly year over year, that those year over year gains are falling quickly. And even more, even more relevant to the economic discussion of today, 
it's the near term, not, not the year over year terms, not the year over year comparisons that are going to make a difference in terms of what Janet Yellen was talking about more than, what was it, 17 years ago. That is the consumer effect, the price effect, the wealth effect that is, as was proved in the last housing bust, maybe a little bit more than just a quarter, a point and a quarter off of GDP. And that's especially true when you think about what's going on in the consumer space already. I mean, consumers are already dealing with the high cost of gasoline. Yeah, gasoline prices have come down, but they're still up there. High costs of food, even though food prices are decelerating, contrary to popular perception, they are coming down a little bit, but it's still up there. And in some cases, actual rents, not just owner equivalent rent, but actual rents are going up too. So consumers are dealing with higher costs and the basics of, of non-discretionary bu budgets. They're also, we're also seeing consumer sentiment is not, not uh, close to record lows or close to multi-year lows. They've rebounded a little bit when gasoline prices fell from, its, from their peak, but they're still exceedingly low. So consumers are already in the dumps. Um, despite the focus on the unemployment rate by the Fed and in the media, the labor market has now become more and more uncertain. I mean, people are hearing the word recession being used in a way it hadn't been used for many years. Um, that's going to play a role as well as, you know, uh, consumer prices and everything else in, in the consumer sentiment that's depressing consumer sentiment. You better believe uncertainty in the jobs market is going to have an effect on consumers. They've also maxed out their credit cards, something that uh, my friend Stephen Van Meter has pointed out repeatedly. They've repealed to debt just to just to be able to pay for most of the things that they used to that they're spending higher prices on gasoline, food, and all that other stuff. And then on top of all that, we're gonna th we're gonna throw in the possibility of falling home prices. It's the recipe for the kind of situation which would very likely get the Fed's attention away from the CPI. Even though the CPI is reflecting through OER last year's housing bubble and that this year's housing bust, potential housing bust, won't show up in the CPI until probably the middle of next year at the earliest, more likely the end of next year, the markets are all saying curve inversions, back to our original premise, something is going to get the Fed out of its CPI focus and into rate cuts. And a domestic housing bust would be maybe not at the top of my list, but it might be at the top of the Fed's list. So entering the chat, entering the discussion, we now have confirmation two months in a row of nationwide widespread falling home prices, as well as many anecdotes and stories that it's only going to continue. As I said, these the data on home prices is already two months old. So at some point, you gotta believe they're going to be discussing this, sitting around the conference room table at the Mariner Eccles building and saying, holy hell, what have we done? I'm Jeff, thanks for watching. As always, as I said before, check us out at Eurodollar.University. Special thank you as always to the Eurodollar University members as well as our subscribers to the research services. We thank you very much. All the information available at Eurodollar.University. Until next time, take care.